listening to SBS on the Money with Ricardo Gonsalves. Hi everyone, it's your daily 10-minute business and finance news wrap for this Monday, the 9th of January 2023. Later, the market's focus turns to the US where we'll see inflation data out there and the start of the quarterly corporate reporting season. But first, to the Australian property market, where prices have fallen the fastest and steepest on record, down 8.4% in just eight months to January. For more, I spoke earlier with Eliza Owen from CoreLogic. Well, this has been the largest downturn in housing values we've seen on record, and it's also extremely fast. The last time we saw a housing market downturn near this magnitude back in 2017 to 2019, it took about 20 months to get to that trough. This time around, it's taken less than nine months. So I think it reflects a lot of the extremities that are lingering from COVID, especially the fluctuations that we've seen in the cash rate. Can you run us through the main reasons why we've seen the falls so hard? Because the last one, the last time that you just mentioned, that that was at a period of time when interest rates weren't necessarily uh, rising. In 2017 to 2019, the housing market saw this big decline when interest rates were at a then record low. And it was more to do with other changes in the credit environment, um, temporary restrictions on types of lending that were popular with investors, a speed limit on growth in investment lending. This time around, we've seen a very different dynamic. It was an owner-occupier-led boom that really dwarfed investment activity. And the sudden decline in housing values is off the back of extremely sharp increases in the cash rate. I think it's worth just pausing and reflecting on the fact that we've seen a 300 basis point increase to the cash rate in the space of eight months. The last time the cash rate went up that much, it took around six years. So in some ways, it's not much of a surprise to see such a strong reaction in the housing market. There are other factors tied up with the high inflationary environment, like low consumer sentiment. And it's also worth noting that we've got very high debt levels overall um, nowadays relative to what we've seen a decade ago, two decades ago. So that has possibly increased the sensitivity of the housing market to changes in the interest rate. Can you further put that into perspective, that 8.4% decline? Because it does come from a very high base, doesn't it? Yeah, that's a really good point. So we've seen an upswing of about 29% in Australia's housing market in less than two years. So it's from that height that this 8.4% decline has taken place. Values overall are still about 18% higher than they were at the start of the upswing and would need to fall roughly another 15% to completely erode the gains that we've seen from the latest cycle. How concerned should we be about these falls? How bad is it for the economy? Because it's not necessarily forced sales that we're seeing. It's more an impact on borrowing capacity, isn't it? And at the same time, though, while it may not be necessarily bad for the economy, what about those people that bought at the peak of the cycle, though? So I think overall, this is kind of bad for the economy. And in some ways, that's exactly the intention of higher interest rates. 
you reduce um, high levels of debt, uh, you reduce economic activity related to housing in terms of buying and selling and white goods and all those sorts of things. And we know that housing also has wealth effects. So if the value of people's assets are coming down, then they're likely to spend a bit less as well. But putting all of that aside, there is some additional risk from the housing market downturn where people have bought in at very high levels, they've taken on a lot of debt, and we're now in uncharted territory in terms of the cash rate actually going higher than what people were assessed at um, in terms of interest rate increases to service their mortgage. So this downturn comes with some new risks uh, for borrowers, it comes with some uncharted territory, but ultimately it is part of the grand plan to take some of the heat out of the economy and bring down inflation. Finally, what does it now mean for prices? We've seen an 8.4% decline. More to come? I think it's fair to say this downturn has further to go. As it is, um, the house price has a sort of lagged uh, effect from interest rate increases. So we haven't seen all of the interest rate increases to date impact the housing market. But beyond that, the RBA sort of hinted at potential further rate rises to come in 2023. As long as the cash rate keeps rising, we'd expect to see continued downward pressure on borrowing capacity, prices, and buying and selling activity. Um, it, it is possible that we could see the downturn bottoming out this year, but ultimately it's going to be the largest downturn on record by some margin. That's Eliza Owen there from CoreLogic. From the property market to the share market with the 200 rose, 0.6%, 7,151. For more, I spoke earlier with David Burthen-Jones. He is the Chief Investment Officer at Equitas Investment Partners. The market is up because of some very good news on the macroeconomic front. On Friday, we had the US Jobs and Wages data, and that showed wages growth cooling from from very overheated levels. We had job growth cooling from similarly very overheated levels, but that moderation is occurring without a big lift in the unemployment rate, which is definitely a step towards the, the Goldilocks outcome that's needed to restrain inflation, but without tanking the economy or ideally the stock, bond and property markets. You mentioned that that jobs data out of the US. I think the US will be quite important this week. There's some key uh, market moving events. The first one, inflation, how significant will this be? Very significant. It's it's really the only thing that matters at the moment. So we've had a few sequential prints in the right direction with core inflation stepping down toward the Fed's longer run target. And we need to keep seeing that. The market is looking for a core inflation print of around 0.3%. Anything less than that number, and I imagine that stocks and bonds will likely do quite well, the key metric to look for in that data set will be shelter-related, housing-related, i.e. how much are new rental agreements for homes and apartments going up by? And the good news there is that rents have been decelerating quite substantially for some time now, and that will help take the heat out of inflation. So you've got inflation. The other key one, especially for the markets, will be US corporate reporting season. So I think we start with the bank's quarterly results start on Friday. What do you think will be the key takeaways? Oh, the, the headlines will not be great. The last couple of years were quite good for the investment banks. 
with cheap money. There was a lot of positive deal flow. There was a lot of M&A merger and arbitrage uh, activity, mergers and acquisition activity. This year, however, that's all been in reverse. So Goldman's have braced the market for a fairly significant amount of redundancies and job cuts, totaling, I think, some 4,000 individuals. Now, there is a distinction that's worth making about US markets versus the Australian banking system. In the US, you've got these very long-dated mortgages, 30 years in some instances. And so when interest rates go up, it can mean that the funding costs for US banks increase, but the income from mortgages doesn't go, doesn't go up by as much. Now, Australia is the other way around. Our loans are much shorter dated, typically less than five years at the most for fixed, and a much higher proportion of the market is variable interest rates. So in other words, higher interest rates are pretty good for the banks here, but not as much for the US banks. So in summary, I'd suggest look for investment banking related pressures on deal flow and for net interest margin squeeze on the retail book alongside what I think is likely some downbeat or downcast management comments about the Federal Reserve tightening rates too much. But note that it's the CEO's job to complain, so we can probably expect some of that. The other key macro theme, I think, is China, uh, the, the reopening theme. Do you think a lot of that's already been priced into the market or are there further opportunities there? I think that the iron ore trade repriced before the government even confirmed that they were going to open. So BHP, Rio, Fortescue, they all ran very hard on the rumour back when the authorities were still denying that such a switch was even on the cards. So to us, that, that trade is likely fully priced and indeed it's probably overshot to a degree. But as a contributor to global growth, having China start back up, having China reopen is an unambiguous net positive. And even on the inflation front, China is essentially the great assembler in global supply chains. So having them up and running again is likely very good for global growth and also likely very good for global inflation. So that broader point can drive risky assets further for longer, we think. Final question, and it's a currency one. The Australian dollar is at a four-month high against the US, broke through 69 today. Why? Well, capital flows to where it can get the highest return. So for a long while now, the markedly more aggressive US rate stand meant a higher US dollar. Now, as the US starts to downshift from repeated hikes of 75 basis points per month per meeting to something like 25 basis points, the heat in the dollar comes out, which means that other currencies begin to lift. And some of the other FX comparables were pretty oversold. The yen, for example, was at near decade lows. The euro and the pound were not too far off. For the Aussie dollar, it's really all about commodity demand and how we weather the mortgage rate reset story. So commodities push it up and fears about a US 2006-style housing meltdown playing out here push it down. So in the short run, we think we can expect to see the AUD moving toward the low 70s, but in the event of a housing correction, you can expect something toward the 50s. David Burton jones here from Aquitus Investment Partners. This SBS On The Money podcast is provided for informational purposes only. The content on this podcast should not be understood as constituting advice or a recommendation. It is not personal advice and does not consider your personal circumstances or objectives. You should contact a licensed professional before making any financial decision.